0: This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Today, I want us to talk about what being business owners is teaching our children. I'm good with that. Now, for me, I don't have my own children, but I've gotten to uh, mentor some extraordinary women and men over the years that have children. And so kind of had been, a. I guess that makes makes me a grandparent mentor, which doesn't make me feel good as I'm becoming more seasoned. But uh, I love the idea that what we do matters with the next generation.
1: I don't know why when you said grand mentor, I I went to the grand poopah from Happy Days. Oh,
0: stop. Stop. Stop, stop.
1: Was that Al?
0: That was Al. Yeah.
1: I have this experience as a kid. I have this experience as a parent. And so not quite yet on the grandparent side, but I have to say I have mostly pleasant experiences and great learning examples, but I also failed at this. So to say that maybe that I've done this well is only seeing the glimpse of the last 10 years, the first decade and a half of my career, I probably put a little bit of a negative connotation into my kids in terms of dad's never home or dad's working on Saturdays, doing things that I tell people not to do today. Some people would say, oh, you're being too hard. You were working hard on your business. Yes, sometimes that Saturday morning was necessary. And no, the technology wasn't where we have it today, so I couldn't do that from the dining room table.
0: I grew up with my parents owning a small business and they were dance photographers. And I was in dance class and we were at competitions all the time. That's what I did and still do to some extent. But my parents figured out really early on that to do all of the things that I wanted to do in order to achieve my goals it was really expensive and they had started a photography business doing weddings and expanded to dance photography and so in order for us to go to a dance competition then we would have a family meeting and decide okay this what are we going to do we would go out they would get the contract for the competition and then at that comp we would get up at five o'clock in the morning we would slip equipment down to the lobby and down to the Ballroom. And my job, I can remember even as a four year old, a five year old, would be to get on my hands and knees and run cords and run duct tape over them to make sure people didn't trip. And then as I got older, a little bit older, my job was to pose girls and make sure their technique was correct. And going to a dance event wasn't a okay, we're going to get up at nine o'clock, we're going to go to rehearsal, we're going to compete. And then for the rest of the day, we're going to go out to dinner. It would be a 5 a.m. to 1 a.m. and then the next day you get up and do it again. And it really taught me the value of what it costs to do the things that I love to do. And I'm so appreciative to my parents to this day every day for not just saying here we're going to spend the money go do it but rather here's what it takes to make the money to go do it.
1: One of our core values is earn your way. And when you brought this topic up to me, that's the first thing that really went into my mind is this is where I learned the concept of earn your way. Certainly in family businesses and bringing on the next generation, I encourage this and I encourage this idea of making your kids or your family members earn their way, not just making it an automatic thing. I've read about some really successful multi-generational family businesses that have policies. Around ideas of the kids can't come and work in the family business until they've worked on an outside business for at least three years. I think that's fantastic. Like, I love that policy. I think that's probably a policy that we're going to implement over the long term if there's the third generation. We're in the second generation today because I want it to be that you have to earn your way. That example that you're talking about is ingrained in you. You've got to get up and you've got to do the work. I you know for me it was ingrained in me as well not necessarily in the insurance business but my dad had another business it was actually his first business that he ever started that was a wholesale plant business and he had this random idea right out of college and to start a wholesale shrubbery business. Homes get built. Landscapers need plants. They come and buy it from the wholesaler. And he grew it to a reasonably sized business. And one of the memories I have is we would do these trade shows, Dallas, San Antonio. We would do these trade shows and this is how he would pick up new landscapers or even retailers trying to get into the big box stores or the small box retailers. We would do this and as a teenager I would go. It was very difficult to go younger than that because of various things. But really getting into my teens, I would go, sometimes a friend would go with me. We would actually help my dad work the booth, set up the booth, haul the stuff in, all the plants from the truck. Sometimes we would get up at three o'clock in the morning to save on a hotel room to be at the dock for loading and unloading at 6 a.m. in the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston. And I remember this distinctly because it was get up early and go to work. I was not getting paid a dime. This was the family business, Lowry Wholesale Nursery. The infamous term was pot plant heaven. That was what it was locally known as for all the teenagers that had to work the hot summers with me around pot plant heaven.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Probably your dad had conversations with you when things got tight. I can remember money was a discussion that my parents openly had with me that, okay, if we're gonna do this, we've got to figure out how to budget to make it happen. This is an expensive event or business hasn't been what it should have been for the last four months. Let's see if we can figure that out. And as I'm talking to agents now, I hear them not wanting to share that information with their families. It's almost like I'm considered a failure if my business isn't the financial success that we were expecting it to be and there's this fear of not wanting to share that with their spouse and their children and it's more like we've got to have this image of perfection and i think for me it was so much more valuable when my parents did sit down with me and say hey money's tight right now let's see what we can figure out
1: i think that that issue is not necessarily generational. It is where we are, right? It is a sign of the times, so to speak. And the keeping up with the Joneses and the comparison of social media makes that really, really difficult for business owners today, agency owners today. And we forget that that person we're comparing ourselves to is in their 10th year in business and you're in your first or second year in business. And so things are at a different place. What I remember about that in, no, we were not well by any means. But what I remember is that my dad worked hard, that we worked hard, that I worked hard in the business and had a summer job and worked when I could and wasn't playing ball or going to school. And I helped and I did things. But my parents were more of the, yes, everything was 100% open within the marriage. The truth and the knowledge of what was going on financially was at the spousal level. It was 100% authentic and vibrant there. But us kids, we didn't really know if it was good or bad because it was the same whether it was good or bad. And what I mean by that is it was that generational thing or where we were like we didn't go out to eat a lot and it was just the way it was. And I really didn't know any different. I just thought my dad was just tight. He just didn't spend money on depreciating assets, which is probably why I am the way I am today and why my truck is 10 years old and has 240,000 miles on it and et cetera. I don't really understand why I am the way I am until I think back into that history of how things were done. But it was never really a thing at the child level for us to know that things were great or not great. Yeah, it's okay. Sit your kids down and say, hey, things are a little tight right now. We need to be aware of this. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also don't think there's anything wrong with your actions saying that without saying that. Telling your kids, no, you can't have that new car at 16 that you're going to get a 10 year old beater. I think that's okay. Because
0: they're going to wreck it.
1: Because they're going to wreck it. And you know what the insurance rates are going to look like. So get them something safe, but get them something old and stay there. Let them earn their way through the process.
0: That makes me laugh. I can remember going to the car dealership and my dad took $2,600 in cash to the car dealership to buy my 1986 red Chevy Cavalier convertible that I drove through high school, through college, through my first probably five years of working as an adult until an 18-wheeler demolished it in the middle of U.S. Highway 165 at a red light. But I had a really cool car because it was this little red convertible. And I look back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe that. But I appreciated the fact that my parents found me a car, bought me a car. I learned to drive in it. It always rocked a little when you put it in park because I didn't understand the difference in putting things in park and hitting the brake. And so when I was learning to drive, I would just put the car into park instead of hitting the brake. That car served me for years and years, but I saw where that money came from because I had been a part of working for it.
1: I just love the idea of you don't get a brand new car at 16. I think it's a lesson and I think it's good to go down that path of some rite of passage, so to speak. All of this starts around earn your way sort of expectations And what we do with our businesses and how we treat that can take your child down this path of expectations or unreal expectations versus sort of humility. A little bit of humility is good and learning how to budget and learning how to have some responsibility. And look, as agency owners in the insurance business, and I'm the biggest advocate in the country, in my opinion, because there is the opportunity for financial success. And if you happen to get into this business at an earlier age in your 20s and you're able to build and build and build, then the reality of it is, is you could have a 13, 14, 15 year old when you're 15 to 20 years into this business and you have reached a level of financial success that is much greater than your peers. And when you do that, what you do with that financial success can shape your kids going into their careers. And there's, this balance between high expectations and things that are not earned, things that are just given to them. And that's why I like that balance because you may can't afford to put your kid in that two-year-old BMW X3 or whatever, but you shouldn't.
0: My husband will tell you that he didn't feel I was safe driving a BMW X5 because of how touchy the steering was. And it made me so nervous. I pulled over on the side of the road during the test drive and let the salesman drive the car back to the lot. So that's a bad idea because no 16-year-old drives that well. Trust me, because I don't drive that well. But thinking about the idea of what does your attitude at work, how does that transition to your attitude at home? Right now, we're in this hard market. We've been here, what it feels like for the last five years. And I'm being a little facetious when I say that, but it feels that way to to some people. It's been one year. I know it's been one year. But it's been one year, but it's still like day 15,000 of it, right? So... What does that look like if you're really struggling at work and your people are frustrated or if you're a solopreneur, you're dealing with people that are mad all day? What does that look like when you go home? And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that you have the opportunity to teach your children and even your spouse is sharing, okay, life is really tough at work, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to translate over to how you treat your family and your friends.
1: I want to beg you to find a way to have your frustration release somewhere other than the people that are closest to you. Our tendency is to take it out on our loved ones, to be not happy, to choose a bad attitude, to let that come with us. That is hugely important that we find some release. Mine was for years, I was an afternoon runner and I would come home before I did anything else, I would change and I would go for a run. That Afternoon run would give me my so-called release. Everything seemed to calm down. Having dinner, having conversations were just different. If I didn't get my run that day, I could tell that my agitation meter was much different. That I was quickly agitated if I didn't get that release and get that run in. I encourage you to find something. Now, don't find something that avoids home, but find something that you can go home and do that can give you that sort of activity release. And I think it's a physical thing. Exercise is wonderful. And you will find that taking that frustration home won't happen for most of your instances. It will go away in that activity.
0: Chip McLean, McLean and Company Insurance in Keller, Texas. He and his wife, Tiffany, have a really great way of handling this kind of situation. And I love this because when they do sit down to talk about challenges that they're having, at work they start out by the other one saying toolbox or bucket and what that means is are you wanting me to help you fix it which is toolbox or are you wanting me to just listen which means I'm going to put it in a bucket then I'm going to throw it out and I really love that they have developed that concept of asking that up front because sometimes I we do vent to our spouses. Sometimes that is the person that we have found that is best for us to share the challenges that we're having. And as spouses, because we care about this person so much, we go into fix-it mode. And I think that causes strife sometimes because I don't necessarily need it fixed. I just want someone that will let me talk through it and then let me figure it out for myself. So I love that whole idea of the toolbox versus bucket and that works really well from them and we've kind of implemented that in a way at our house
1: too and it's worked really well toolbox or bucket may be exactly what you need. Because I learned that the hard way. Even though my spouse is not a huge talker, the minute she would tell something or vent on something or bring something up, I immediately went into let's fix it mode. And my listening skills went away. I would hear the first two sentences and then, okay, I'm already working on the solution. All she needed me to do was listen. And it took me way too long to figure out that I didn't need to fix this. I just needed to listen. Keep this in mind as business owners, what we're bringing home and then understanding our personalities of our spouses. And then we can design a model that works best for being a business owner and being married at the same time and staying married. This is an important staying married tool.
0: On the flip side of that, I think it's important to share with our families what success looks like if we're having Great success at work. What does that look like when you come home as well?
1: What do we have? what can I buy? What does the financial element look like? We immediately go there. Go buy a boat. We go buy a boat. We go upgrade our house. We buy new vehicles all the time or whatever. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite here because I am going to fully disclose this. I'm kind of in this weird spot in life with vehicles where at least for me and my wife, even though I'm driving the older vehicle, where I'm starting to kind of do the math and whether to stay in a traded newer vehicle or whether to drive it till the wheels fall off. I'm just, in this not sure mode in my life. And that's really rare for me because I usually feel like I know exactly what I want to do. And so this is an odd place to be.
0: By the way, I found you a condo in Seaside yesterday.
1: Oh, excellent. Excellent. That's that's great to know. Not doing it, but great to know. It's what do we buy? That's what we normally think. What does success look like? But there's so much more than that. Success may equal more time. Success may equal a vacation, a longer vacation, right? Our vacations, True Vacation, started around 2007 when our girls were like eight and four. And it was like three days, like three nights maybe, right? And they were really short. And this summer, we were gone Saturday to Saturday. This is a process in the making. And they went from three days to five days and then maybe six days. And then now we're in this seven full week type of, of vacation. It might mean renting a Airbnb B&B, renting a house for a month and working remotely and taking your family to a whole nother place for a month. It doesn't have to mean more house or more toys or more whatever. How we define that success to our kids and to our family, it also kind of puts that level of this is what success can allow you to do. This is what hard work can allow you to do. That is is in the right way, in the right message, it can be extremely impactful for your kids. I want to be able to do what mom and dad are doing for us, for my kids. And I want to be able to do X, Y, Z and so forth. And there's a better way to do it than just buying a ridiculous high dollar purse or buying a ridiculous new pair of boots. That's, it's just not me. I think it's just one of those things that is going to be interpreted by your kids, how you do this or what you do.
0: I love that you brought up buying the nice new pair of boots. I had a girlfriend yesterday that recently moved to Pensacola and she was talking about that her husband needed a new pair of dress boots. And where did she need to go shop for them? And I said, Louisiana or Texas? And she goes, no, like in Pensacola. And I said, Louisiana or Texas? You can't buy boots in Pensacola. Like that's not that's not a thing here.
1: I happened to be brought into this awareness because I have young 20-something and late teen daughters. There's evidently some type of purse or handbag that Kim Kardashian has or owns that's like $100,000 that she wore or took. You carry a purse. So she carried this handbag to the soccer game and it's like a $100,000 handbag that on the open market is like $300,000. She
0: can. And she has a bodyguard that's protecting her and her purse. But what is she
1: saying to her kids? I mean, do her kids have a chance? These are the things that I go through that goes through in my mind. The level of expectation and earn your way and hard work, like I feel for her kids a little bit, just pure brutal honesty here because this is how celebrity kids go off the rails is expectations are not set correctly.
0: The flip side of that could be that this is a strategic partnership that Kim has with that particular handbag company and it could be that her kids are learning okay this is how mom makes her money this is how mom gets to have these things are through strategic partnerships where she's paid for carrying the $100,000 handbag that you're talking about that there's no way you would be talking about if she had it but there's just
1: the fact that there is a market for a $100,000 purse, handbag. I'm with you. Do you understand the ludicrous nature of that statement in and of itself? I do. I do. Add 100%. We're not going to gripe about the $100,000 handbag. We're going to gripe about the insurance premium that it costs to add that $100,000 handbag to our home insurance policy. Oh my gosh, you mean it's going to cost me $5,000 a year in insurance premium? That's ridiculous. No, you just bought a $100,000 purse. Don't gripe about the insurance premium. So that's the thing that I immediately went to is like, what's the premium on that thing?
0: I never in all of my years ever thought about putting insurance on a purse. Because when I get a purse at the TJ Maxx or at the Dillard's clearance outlet, they don't ask me, do you need to insure this?
1: No, you're self-insuring the Dillard's and TJ Maxx version. And she's probably self-insuring the whatever it is, 100, 100k purse, but maybe she's not. She may have a really good business manager that's like, oh my gosh, we need to insure this thing. We need to get this on the on the insurance policy. So I don't know. I'm getting, I'm down in the weeds here a little bit, but we are talking about what does our business say to our family, say to our kids? What is it teaching our family? And um, there's so much in, in this that's really, really necessary for us to really think through as business owners.
0: I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Michael Jordan. My attitude is that if you push me toward a weakness, I will turn that weakness into a strength.
1: Attitude to choice. Make a great one.
0: Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at integraagent.com. That's integraagent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at iaforward.com.